0: This is an Eye on Annapolis special update. Hey there, it is John Fernay and it is November 6th. It is election day. Make sure you go out there and vote. Okay, I don't do endorsements. First of all, what the hell does anybody care about my opinion? Secondly, your vote should not be influenced by anything or anyone other than what your own research shows you and who you feel will do the best job for you as your elected representative. But... I have been watching all of the elections closely and have heard from candidates, their supporters, their detractors, as well as John Q. Public. And based on absolutely zero scientific or mathematical formulas, I offer my predictions for the area races that we're going to be voting on today here in Anne Arundel County. I do want to preface this by saying that I have typed all this out. It's quite lengthy. I'm going to read. So you're going to hear paper shuffling. You're going to hear ums and ahs and screw ups. Just bear with me. We'll get through this together. Let's start with the ballot questions. There are five total questions, three for the county and two for the state. The county question A, this involves zoning as in zoning out. The wording is complex and confusing. And most people are going to look at that and just probably vote for the status quo. And I think that will go against in that race. County question B is about procurement. A vote for it will allow the council to raise the limit for competitive bidding. Now, if it's over $25,000, it's bid out. This proposes to increase that to $50,000. If there's another bid in it that will require the county to post all bids over $5,000 on the website, people won't want to give the council any more free reign over their tax dollars, and this will likely be defeated. Against will win that question. County question C. This is going to increase the authority of the county auditor. Again, the people are wanting more transparency with their tax dollars. This question will be accepted for a win on this one. Moving on to the state, there are two questions. Question one is essentially the education lockbox. When we all said, hey, casinos are great, they're cool, they're going to help pay for schools and everything else, we said, yay, yeah, yay, yeah, yay, yeah, yay. Yeah. And then the sneaky government decided to figure a way out. And not pay the schools. Um, Yeah, that would be the incumbents in the legislature. They raided it. They spent it elsewhere, leaving schools, still begging for more money. This This question actually seals the loophole and forces the money to be used for education, and it will be resoundingly accepted. Question number two on the state is going to allow unregistered voters to register and vote on election days. There are plenty of opportunities to register to vote as it is. By law, we can register and vote the same day for the eight days of early voting. Voters will suggest if someone's not able to find time to do it before an election or during early voting, there's no need to allow them on the day of the election. What's next? Are we going to allow them to vote after the election? This will be resoundingly defeated. Against will win that question. Let's look into some of the big races. The race for governor, Hogan, will win by a new term that somebody will coin that will be something bigger than a landslide. Come on, let's be real here. When you have a challenger that is so far removed from the mainstream that even his own party shuns him, the writing's on the wall there for Ben Jealous. Welcome to another four years, Governor Larry Hogan. Controller Peter Francho by a mile. Well, personally, I would love to see Angeli Fukan shake things up just for the entertainment value. And if you want some entertainment value, go check out the Maryland Crabs podcast. You can find it at com. Do a search and look for... Uh, Fukan. P-H-U-K-A-N. We did a great podcast with her. She's a trip. But this one is Francho by a mile. And I will go out on a very safe limb here and suggest that Francho will defeat whomever runs in 2022 and take the governor's mansion. He says he's not running, but he is. Attorney General Brian Frosch. While he spent most of his time in the past two years suing the Trump administration, he has done some very good things for Marylanders and is not so entrenched that he needs to be voted out. Craig Wolf just did not make that big of an impact, but keep your eye on him. I think you'll see him coming back, and I think he will be a force to deal with down the line. U.S. Senator, two words, Ben Cardin. Yes, he is entrenched. Yes, he is a career legislator, but he's doing well by his constituents, and they are going to send him back again. In the U.S. Congress, John Sarbanes, he's approachable. He gets things done. Charles Anthony, he might as well be Charles Who? Um, Sarbanes is going to go back there for sure for another two years. Moving on to the state races, State Senate District 30. I think Ron George is going to take this one. I'm not going to be shocked if Sarah Elfrith does, but I think George will win it out with just a little bit due to his legislative experience and bipartisanship that he showed while he was in the House of Delegates. Elfrith ran a textbook campaign, but it was very negative. And I think people are tired of the establishment candidates, and she totally embedded herself very deep into the old boys network of District 30. State Senate District 31, Brian Simon Eyre. He's been doing a good job for his district. If he was running in any other district, he'd have a much more serious race, but he will again win very easily. State Senate District 33, Big Ed Riley is heading back to Annapolis. He is an effective legislator and has the experience to get things done and has shown that he can. Eve Hurwitz, his challenger, has aligned herself with the very far left movement and in generally conservative Anne Arundel County, that's not likely to fly. Remember, none of the established Democrats in Anne Arundel are supporting Ben Jealous, only those that are new to politics. State Senate District 21, sorry, you're on your own there. I don't know a lot about that one. Let's slide over into the House of Delegates. 30A, this is Mike Bush and Bob O'Shea will probably take the two seats that are up for grabs there. Alice Kane is a great candidate, but there is a strong Republican streak in the district as is evidenced by Herb McMillan's past wins where he earned more votes than even the Speaker of the House. Bush will win on his name only, but I am hearing many feel that he is not able to lead due to his health. We did discuss some borderline conspiracy theories we had heard about a few weeks ago, and you can go back and look into them, and they may still hold some water. I suspect that this term will be Bush's last hurrah if he makes it to the end of the term. I think he may resign prior to that. The other Republican, Chelsea Gill, really is has not been too visible other than a bunch of signs. Make no mistake, though, this will be a very tight race, and I bet O'Shea earns the most votes of all the candidates, and Bush comes in number two. House of Delegates in District 30B, South County, Seth Howard will handily win this race. His opponent in this deeply Republican section of the county is Mike Shea, who is a perennial candidate who will flip parties like a real estate agent on some new HGTV reality show. Not sure he can or ever will be taken seriously as a candidate. The House of Delegates in District 31A, very similar to Senate District 33. Ned Carey is coming from a school board into the House of Delegates, gave him a wealth of experience that his opponent simply did not have. He is well-liked and effective for the district, a strong candidate any way you look at it, and to beat him, you need a very strong candidate, and honestly, Brooks Bennett is not it. The House of Delegates in District 31B. Ah, yes, Pasadena. Well, Nip Kipke is a shoe-in here, and I'll, I'm will i not even going to pardon that pun. He's been good. He's been effective. Considering the district is highly conservative, but it is changing, I think Brian Chisholm will find a second time as a charm for him and will earn that seat vacated by Megan Simon-Air. But let me put a caveat on that and say that the dynamic of the Dina is changing a bit, and Harry Freeman might squeak by there and bounce Chisholm. House of Delegates in District 32 Highly Democratic district. To be honest, I don't know too much about it, but I'm going to say that the three seats will go to Mark Chang, Patty Ewing, and Sandy Bartlett, and that will split that district up just a little bit there. The House of Delegates in District 33. Now, this one's going to be really interesting. It's a weird district, geographically, mostly conservative, but with some very deep blue pockets. Tony McConkey's time is up. People are fed up with the bullshit, and there's some other better choices. Mike Malone was appointed to the seat when Kathy Vitale was appointed to the bench. He's done well, as has Sid Saab, and the conservatives in that district will send them back. As for McConkie's chair, the three women running ran as a pseudo-slate in the primary, Pam Luby, Tracy Hovermail, and Heather Bagnall. Tracy has aligned herself with that far left, and they are just not going to get the support here in Ana Rondo County, certainly not in that district. It could go either way between Heather Bagnall and Pam Luby, but I'm leaning a little bit more toward Pam for that third seat. Now let's work up from the bottom, and I hesitate to use the word bottom, but uh, building up some suspense here. The Board of Education and Admittedly, I've not been following this too much, but here are my thoughts. District 1, Candace Antoine and David Starr, take your pick. The most qualifications both seem to have is that they have kids or had or had kids in school. That's a pretty low bar if you ask me. I don't know that much about the candidates, so that's up to you in District 1. District 4, Melissa Ellis and Julie Hummer. Julie is currently on the school board and the incumbency is powerful. While Melissa seems eminently qualified, she's run a very good campaign. I think voters will agree with Hummer's appointment and send her back to the school board. District 5, Terry Gilliland and Dana Schalheim. Terry is a political animal and the school board is not supposed to be political. Dana, while somewhat aligning with that hard left, has been out there. She's very vocal, she's very responsive, and she's reasonable. She'll probably win this pretty handily. District 7, Michelle Corcadell or Letitia Hicks. While Michelle Corcadell has made her name as a potential candidate for delegate and certainly as a school board candidate and being active in the South County schools for many years on the PTAs, etc., I think voters are going to see her as too politically connected to Steve Shue. She does work as his constituent service person for South County, and voters will want to see someone with at least the appearance of impartiality on the board. Can Corcadell really be independent on the board when the county executive may be paying her salary? Yeah, this one goes to Leticia Hicks, who, by the way, has some of the best political campaign signs I've ever seen, aside from the Chris Trumbauer purple ones. All right, let's look at this, uh, and I hate to call them lesser, but lesser races, but the down ballot races that few people pay attention to. We get to pick three orphans court judges. Three incumbents have been there a while and I guess done a decent job. Who knows? The only outsider challenger is Vicki Gibson, who is a community activist in town and an attorney. She's certainly qualified. But I think this office is going to look exactly like it did three weeks ago with Nancy Phelps, Maureen Carr York and Alan Raspowski holding down that fort. The Register of Wills, Lauren Parker, and Joe Janoski are the two candidates very similar to Orphan's Court. Not too many people know what they do, and absent any kind of a public scandal that anyone knows about, they're going to send Lauren Parker back there. But I do want to say that Joe Janoski got my vote this time around. I'm one of those that really does not know too much about the office, but I saw a handmade sign for Joe that looked like it may have been done by his kids or some kids down in South County the other week, and I said, hey, that's got to count for something." Clerk of the Courts. He or she is the guy that sort of keeps the courthouse running. Scott Poyer is a retired executive from the federal government, and this is his first campaign. Doug Arnold has been the deputy for many years and is currently endorsed by the current clerk of the courts, Bob Duckworth, who is retiring. The courthouse is a complex office, and experience does count for a lot on this. Doug Arnold will get this one by a wide margin. The state's attorney, you've no doubt seen all of the negative mailers from Ann colt Lytus That didn't work well for Mike Panelides. I don't think it'll work well for Sarah Elfrith, and I definitely don't see it working for Ann colt Lytus She was appointed to the job when the old state's attorney, Frank Weathersby, retired and lost that appointment to Wes Adams four years ago. The campaign has focused more on her bitterness in losing that race than the issues at hand. And as one endorsement for Adams said, in Anne Arundel County, she was unable to hold on to the job that was given her. Wes has really made an impact on the drug issues facing the county, which I believe is the number one issue. The office has been modernized, computerized, and aside from the utterly stupid move of hiring Lawrence Scott, Wes Adams has done a very solid job. And also, with the prosecution of Jared Ramos-Luman, I'm not sure we want to change horses midstream in this. Maybe we can, maybe we can't. I don't know. That just wouldn't be something that I would be comfortable with. I would not want to risk a solid prosecution on that for anything in the world. This race may be close, but I think Wes will have a fairly solid lead on this one. All right, the sheriff's office. And here is my only endorsement of this election cycle. I wholeheartedly endorse a guy named James for Anne Arundel County Sheriff. Yes, we have Jim Fredericks and James Williams running. Jim Fredericks bounced out longtime Sheriff Ron Bateman in the primary. He has the police experience, the backing of the law enforcement community, and should handily win this race. I just wish this office was not political. I wish they would lose the R and the D and we could vote for the people and not have to get into that whole politics thing. All right, now for the main events, county executive and county council. Let's start from the bottom. District seven, Jessica Hare is the wife of the state GOP chairman, Dirk Hare. She is a lawyer with no real direct political experience. And the other choice is James Kitchen, who also has no political experience. Jerry Walker was very well liked in this conservative district, but much of Crofton is in here and they are fired up about overdevelopment. So I am thinking this may switch from an R to a D and Kitchen takes it. Although Councilman Kitchen has sort of a Mr. Rogers role ring to it. District 6, the Annapolis area. It's a tough area for a Republican to win, and even tougher when he's a reluctant candidate and didn't get out there and knock on doors unless they were his neighbors. I heard that Mike Crisman was handpicked by Steve Shue to run this race, and if Steve paid him any money, he needs to get a refund because, man, this campaign was weak. And that's that's being kind. Lisa Rodbian had a very tough primary, came out ahead by, I think it was 159 or 160 votes or something against Scott McMullen. By the way, Scott McMullen, go check out his Annapolis podcast. That's a real good one. She also has a nod from incumbent councilman Chris Trumbauer, and I think she's going to take this handily here. Uh, It should also be noted that Mike Crispin was elected to the city council for Ward 2. Um, Gosh, I can't remember, probably back in Alan Moyer, maybe even before when it was Dean Johnson. But he uh, quit midterm just because he had uh, some work to that he couldn't handle the two of them. So I'm not sure what has changed in his life that thinks he can handle the county council, but be that as it may. District five, two incredibly capable women in Amanda Fiedler and Dawn Myers running. And the only thing that separates them is the letter after their name. But this is a district that elected Michael Perutka, So any D or Democrat that wants to that seat really needs to be pretty conservative. And I think Amanda takes this pretty handily. And also to be noted, Amanda was the one that bounced Perutka out in the primary. District 4, I thought this might be an interesting race back in the primaries, but it turned out to be pretty lackluster and a snooze fest. Tory Snow is a Republican, and incumbent Andrew Prusky is the Democrat. Andrew is the only returning councilmanic candidate, and that does say something. Tory's campaign never really got out of the gate, so Andrew, I believe, is headed back to the Arundel Center. District 3, it's a conservative district currently represented by Derek Fink. The choices are Nathan Volke on the Republican side and Deb Ritchie on the Democratic side. On the surface, I think Deb is more qualified for the position but the makeup of the district may be a problem for her. This will be a very tight race, but I think Nathan Bulky will eke out a very slim win. District 2, John Grasso's old district, it is very conservative. Will they go with politico Tom Gardner or former school board member Allison Picard? I think Allison will pick up the votes on the experience and Tom's will be picked up based on party. And in the end, I think it's going to be very very close, but I say Allison will probably take that district. Finally, in District 1, this was a shocker in the primary when Sarah Lacey defeated incumbent Pete Smith for the general election. Pete was ineffective an and popular, and for her to knock him off was such a surprise. That tells me that the district is looking for wholehearted change. There are two women running here, Sarah and Kim Burns. Kim has run a better campaign, in my opinion, but I'm not sure that this seat will flip. I give it to Sarah by a slim margin. And for those that are keeping track, that would leave you with a 5-2 Democratic Council. The past term was a 4-3 Republican council, so that will flip. And if my predictions are on the mark, it could prove to be problematic for the county executive. And speaking of which, drumroll, the county executive race has been fun to watch. Steve shoe, I think, felt he was a shoe in a year ago. Now, not so much. Stuart Pittman has been an admirable opponent. The polls have really narrowed down considerably. He's run a grassroots campaign from the ground up. And Steve has done some boneheaded things. He fought the marijuana thing. He's dissed school children. He talked down to teachers. But when it comes to doing the job he was elected to do, which is managing the county, He has done a good job. I also said that while John Leopold, while wacky, he was an effective county executive for what he was elected to do. Stuart Pittman has no experience running for office. He is a political animal and ran a very, very, very solid grassroots campaign. But in the end, we have nothing to bank on with Stuart Pittman except for promises of what he can do. There's nothing to show what he has done. Uh, That's not a diss on Pittman by any chance, by any means. It's just the fact. Steve Shue has not done anything to compromise the county, and to fall back on that old axiom, voters will be asking if they're better off today than they were four years ago. Most will say yes, the rest will say they're no worse off. Now, when hungry, and in need of quelling that hunger, and your two choices are a bowl of macaroni and cheese and a bowl of fish sperm sashimi, We're going with the mac and cheese, and Steve Shue in this case is the mac and cheese. But that's not to say we aren't able to develop a taste for fish sperm sashimi over the next few years. Shue will be out and looking at a gubernatorial run, and if I had some money to put down, I'd put it on Pittman to be back in it again. I'm not sure in what capacity, but he's sure to be back. Trust me on that one. So there you go. Opinionated crystal balling for all of the local races here in Anne Arundel County. Stick around. We'll see how it all shakes out today and how it all plays out. Hopefully we'll know some answers tomorrow morning. And again, returning into all seriousness, if you've not already done it, go out and vote. Don't vote for the R, don't vote for the D. Vote for the man or the woman that you feel will do the most good for you. That is the way a true democracy should run. Thanks for listening. Now go vote. This has been an update from I On Annapolis. Please visit us at ionanapolis.net. Follow us on Twitter at IonAnapolis. And be sure to subscribe to our daily news brief podcast, which is delivered every Monday through Friday to your phone or device at 7 a.m.